Understanding the unique stressors of growing up in today's world is an important part of treating children and adolescents. One of the most challenging events that our children endure is the college application process. Competition for spots at top colleges is at an all-time high. How does this affect our children and their families? Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Children's Health. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Joey Yeager-Hyman, author of Fat Envelope Frenzy. Ms. Yeager-Hyman worked at Dartmouth College as Assistant Director of Admissions. She is now pursuing a doctorate in administration, planning, and social policy in higher education at Harvard Graduate School of Education. Welcome to ReachMD, Joy. Hi, thanks for having me. Joey, why did you decide to write Fat Envelope Frenzy? Well, as I said, I worked in admissions at Dartmouth right after I graduated from college, actually. And after I left the admissions office and went to graduate school, I just couldn't escape people, you know, really suffering from a lot of anxiety coming up to me and asking all kinds of questions about how things really worked and hearing so many conspiracy theories. And it was just really obvious to me that something was up with this. And also I was reading all the media that everyone else was reading about how much more pressure kids are under today and how the college admissions process can be brutal for them. So I thought, you know, I really haven't seen anything from the student's point of view. You know, what are real students really, really going through? I'd been on the other end, and I, I really wanted to revisit the issue from that lens. So I decided to follow five different students from different parts of the country and write a book about their experiences. Joy, I would imagine, too, that people wanted the inside scoop from you. Oh, sure. Yeah, I had, like, third cousins twice removed that would somehow track me down and say, you know, please help me, help me. So, yeah, there was, I mean, that's, that's part of, I think, the frenzy, as I call it, is that people think that there is an inside scoop. Sure, there is definitely empowerment and having more information, but there's not really a shortcut or, you know, five simple steps you can follow to to get into an Ivy League college. It's just, it's very selective and it's complicated, although there is information that you can have that will alert you to the different considerations that admissions officers are looking at when they're looking at a class. Now, in your book, you follow these five high school students. They come from very different backgrounds mm-hmm. as they navigate this whole process of applying to college. Now, our listeners are medical professionals who, by definition, um, must have gotten accepted and have right. done right and did well at a good school. How different is the process today from when most of us went through? It is amazingly different, and I think that's why so many parents are also experiencing so much anxiety It is just simply much, much more competitive. There are more kids graduating from high school than ever before, and college is becoming much more important as the economy changes. So more kids are going to college. And then at the top level, you know, more kids are clamoring for these spots at the top, top schools. So it's much more competitive. At what age do kids start thinking about college now? I think it depends. I mean, the kids, the five students in my book, and I should say these are all top kids, even though they come from different backgrounds, and some of them are more polished than others. They're all, they all end up at great places and they're all great kids. Um, one of them, for example, said that he was dreaming of Harvard since basically before he could remember. You know, his parents, they came from China and in China, Harvard was one of the only schools that people knew and they really put a lot of emphasis on education. So he really remembers dreaming of going there since um, he was a really little boy. Versus another student that is in the book who also was successful, she really only discovered Harvard and the other Ivy League schools in her junior year. And her reason was really because she was looking for financial aid. And she discovered that if she was accepted there, her family would likely go for free because these schools, especially Harvard, have instituted all these new 
financial aid policies for low-income students. How do children typically react to this pressure? I think it depends. Sometimes the hype around students and their anxiety can be exaggerated. I think a lot of students, they've been prepared for this their whole lives, and they can do many things very, very well, and they can cope well. And in fact, some of them, I think, really thrive under this kind of high expectations. However, many students don't, which is really a wide range. But you do hear of kids really freaking out and having all kinds of anxiety problems that are very, very real when they're going through this pressure. And a lot of it starts early because SATs, students are taking the PSATs really in 10th grade, and they're taking the SATs in 11th grade. And that's when a lot of them are kind of thinking about it. And that's a good time to kind of check in with your child and just make sure that they're doing okay. And it's, it's hard to balance the messages because, sure, we all want the best for, for our children and we want children to be successful. And the truth is that it is very selective. So you don't want to lie to them and say, okay, you know, you can just blow this off and it won't have any consequences. However, what good are they to themselves or to anyone else if they burn out by the time they're 16? Are there any groups that seem especially vulnerable to the stresses? It's a little bit hard to generalize. I will say one of the students in the book, the one I referred to before, who was looking for financial aid, that was really interesting to me because she was really doing this kind of all on her own. Her parents were from the Dominican Republic, and her family is very, very close, but they don't really parent her conditioned on an achievement. So they love her, and they want the best for her, and they want her to go to college, but in fact, actually, they were more like, why would you put yourself through all of this? Why wouldn't you take it easy? So you see some cultures, it's not, the parenting isn't really predicated on achievement. But I did see other students whose parents really did put so much on this process and even put affirmation of their own parenting on whether or not their kid got into Ivy League schools. I don't want to generalize and say one culture does and one culture doesn't, but you see both. And certainly it seems like there are subcultures like certain schools. You mentioned in the book where the school becomes a really this incredibly stressed place where other schools don't. I think in the Northeast you see this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Partially it's just because of the history of higher education in the Northeast. That was where a lot of these private schools developed first and then public education followed versus the South and the Midwest and the West where public education really was the pioneer, public higher education, and then there are some private schools that followed. So you can kind of see how those traditions can play out in high schools. For example, I had one student in the book from New Orleans who had been through Katrina and went to a really excellent Catholic school, Jesuit High School in New Orleans, if anybody's familiar with it who's listening. While Jesuit is really a top, top school, the culture there isn't really all about going to an Ivy League per se. Lots of really smart kids go to LSU, for example, and they get free rides and they do great and it's well-respected and they're happy. So... It really depends. Um, the school the school can make a big difference, and I think there is geographical variation. Yeah, certainly I live in Idaho, and, and it really is pretty laid back here. Uh, I've lived through one and am currently living through another applying to college, and it's important, and there's certainly some stress involved, but it certainly doesn't take up there every moment. We don't see the coaches and all of these SAT prep classes and things like you describe in the Northeast. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. <laughs> If you're just joining us, you're listening to a special segment, Focus on Children's Health, on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Joey Yeager-Hyman. Joy, what can we do as physicians and parents to lessen the burden that the college application process places on our kids? 
Well, I think one of the main things is really working hard to understand what the admissions process is designed to do and not projecting onto it things that it's not designed to do. So, for example, so many parents and even and students look towards colleges to validate either their parenting or for the students their potential and their intelligence. I mean, these really significant qualities that when you're looking at the process like this, you can understand why people put so much weight on it. Fortunately, that's really not what the process is designed to do. Colleges are self-interested institutions, and they are not there to evaluate if a student has potential or if a student has really excelled in all cases. I mean, they're looking for lots of different things, including sports teams and legacy students and, you know, all kinds of special considerations that really have nothing to do with merit. So when you start to understand the process for what it is, which is really the process of them choosing a class that takes into account all of the institutional priorities that they are pretty public about, you know, things like having good football teams and things like having students whose parents went there, you know, which in almost every other country would be totally unheard of. When you start to look at it like that, you really see what it's designed to do. And sure, going to college is important, and it's great if you get into your first choice, but I think it's really important to have a wide range of schools that you're looking at because it's just, it's just not up to you, which is fine because when you start to see what, what the process really is, you start to understand that, you know, I guess it's up to them, and they're making their decisions based on a whole host of factors. So does legacy really help people get in? It does, yeah. Colleges are public about that. Plenty of legacy students don't get in. It's not the kind of thing where one plus one equals two. If you're a legacy, you'll definitely get in. But, um, yeah, it's a plus factor. I mean, colleges in America say that this helps them keep strong community with their alumni and it serves their self-interest and they're public about it. And yeah, it does help. And you say it's not like that in other parts of the world? No, no. In most places that would be considered totally corrupt. You know, it's, it's actually <laughs> oh, not like that. that at all. It's ironic because <laughs> we think of ourselves. And, and American higher education is actually very open. I mean, 80% of schools are not at all selective. So you can enroll. I mean, as long as you can afford it or if you can apply and be eligible for financial aid, you can go. So the top 20% are selective. And the way that they do their admissions is really, it's very, very different. I mean, most places don't consider essays, and they don't consider whether or not your parents went there, if you can play sports or things like that. So as physicians, if we see our adolescent patients really having a hard time with this whole process, what should we do? Well, I think it's really good to kind of look out for it, just to sort of look for symptoms of anxiety in students of a certain age and be frank with them and with their parents about what's going on in their lives and whether or not they're overscheduled or if they're just, they're just sensitive to all the stress around them, if they're in a high school that has a lot of stress, et cetera. And I, I think, you know, being proactive about it, doing some research perhaps about what the process really is and not projecting too much onto it, and then talking with the parents. I think so much comes from the parents, and parents have a lot of power to, to help and support their students and a lot of power to not put additional pressure on them because they want the best of themselves as well. So a lot of times, you know, they're going to do it regardless, and they don't need all the extra pressure from their parents. But I think your first point is well taken, that we should at least be aware of it, and the kids themselves may not bring it up. Again, uh, perhaps being intimidated that we're a physician and, you know, that we must not have had any problems like this ourselves because we made it through medical school. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Or or even just if they, it's a norm for them. You know, this is just the way life is. This is the way that they've grown up, where you know, I think if we were all transported back in time, it would be horrific for us, all the pressure that they're under and all the pressure that their peers are putting each other under. 
Um, but that's what they're used to. So sometimes they don't even know any better or they don't know that this is not healthy or, um, or they're taking on too much because that's what they see their peers doing. Makes good sense. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you. We've been discussing the fat envelope frenzy with our guest today, Joey Yeager-Hyman. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at reachmd.com. Register with the promo code RADIO and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. If you have comments or suggestions, call us at 888-MD-XM-157. Thank you for listening. 